time for our second hour roundtable on America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. More talking truth about America. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. And if you're watching on Facebook Live, I don't know why the, <laughs> why don't my phone did this auto-rotate without my permission. And so I've been trying to fix that, but now it's all back on track. Okay, and welcome. I'm so glad you're listening to America Can We Talk. Um, I have a a clip I want to play for you. Some of you were thinking about your uh, what to get your kids or family members for Christmas. And one fun thing, or Hanukkah, one fun thing uh, people look at is these, this product called Alexa. And it's one of the things like, you know, you sit it in the room, you can say, hey, Alexa, what's the capital of Nicaragua? Or, you know, what's the temperature today in Fairbanks, Alaska? And you could ask questions. So it's very entertaining. But of all places for a political not just correctness, but political leftism to come into play on Alexa. And I think Greg here has this Alexa, The little, just the first segment of this clip from Alexa. Let's just go right through this so you can see what I'm talking about. Far left social justice warrior. And this is concerning because unless you hit the mute button, it's always listening. Always listening. All right, let's start off with this one, which seemed pretty simple. Alexa, how many genders are there? The two main categories of the gender spectrum, male and female, are called the gender binary, but there are many other categories that exist. Because gender identity is complex and personal, there is no definite way to say how many genders there are. Seriously. Okay, so say you got this for your, you know, uh, teenage child and you're trying to teach them that, you know, in your your worldview, your faith, your whatever it is, you know, your worldview that there's men and women, and especially in the Christian faith, men and women created in God's image and likeness. And this is that you get this thinking you brought them a toy where they can ask interesting questions and they get this as an answer. They get told (laughs) that there are, I mean, the whole gender spectrum thing has wormed its way into a product popular Christmas time. By the way, this is uh, louder with Crowder. The guy, Stephen Crowder is one asking these questions. This is from his, um, a blog post he did, I think, or a YouTube. Okay, next question. Alexa, who is the Prophet Muhammad? The Prophet Muhammad is a very wise prophet. He taught many people how to live. He had a wife called Aisha. He lived in Saudi Arabia. The message that he gave to the people is pray to Allah. He is the only God, and he gave the holy corn. The holy corn. Okay, I think that's supposed to be Quran. But he's wise. Muhammad's wise. Okay, so that would be loaded and i think many people in the world who are watching the destruction the havoc around the world created the name of islam might not think that was a correct answer and it doesn't even say people within the muslim faith perceive this to be muhammad it says this is who he was okay third question coming from alexa take it away okay alexa who is the lord jesus christ jesus christ is a fictional character Okay, I'm not kidding. This thing tells you Muhammad was a wise person, wise, whatever they said, and Jesus Christ was a fictional person. This is anti-Christian, left-wing, political correctness built into a toy, built into a game you might think was fun to buy for your kids or your grandchildren or your brother for Christmas. They don't even make the pretense of saying you know, Muhammad was a, a prophet that the Muslims believe was wise and he did whatever. They don't even, and there are many, many more questions he asked Alexa. I mean, this is programmed to be pro Islam, anti Christian. And the answer Jesus Christ was a fictional figure? 
Really? I mean, I'm just telling you, folks, the idea that you think this political correctness stuff is just confined to a bunch of, you know, radical leftists. This is a product being sold by Amazon. This is Amazon's product, Alexa. Okay, I'm done. Don't buy that for Christmas. Find something better. Find something that actually engages your family in talking to each other. That would be a really good Christmas gift. Okay, the other thing I was going to mention in this, because it's my top of the second hour, you know, and I'm usually the cruise for the news, kind of the, uh, and, but that I wanted to hit Alexa. I had it ready next week, and Greg had it ready for me last week, and then I uh, forgot, didn't get to it. The other thing I wanted to hit um, in this is that now we're finally at the place where the election will be held in the state of Alabama in a couple of days on Tuesday, December 12th. And this is the election to fill the Senate seat that is now vacant because of uh, former Senator Jeff Sessions now serving um, in uh, the Obama, Obama, right, the Trump administration as attorney general. And so that seat is open. This is a seat with a run between Roy Moore and I think the Democrat's name is Doug Jones. And I just, I know I hit on this last week, uh, but I would say a couple more things about all these scandals coming out. Uh, And not just about uh, Roy Moore and all the allegations against him, but about all these scandals in Washington. Uh, And, and, you know, we mentioned several last week. There are apparently more coming out in the week to come. You know, I think there's really a place in... um, in public thought in America and in within the voters, uh, the, the ranks of voters to make um, to to think that you want to hold people to a high moral standard and that you that may enter your judgment out about people's character and then how whether you want to vote for them or not. And I agree with that. I also say that policies matter. And the policies that someone would vote for can have a far more consequential and damaging effect on America's culture than the uh, conduct that you that you may not like about a person. And I also just say, and I'm going to run up against a break here, but I don't know any person in America who could have the every word they've ever said and deed they've ever committed subjected to broad national scrutiny, scrutiny and not be uncomfortable. I want to talk more about this after the break. Come right back. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit firstliberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's firstliberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to firstliberty.org now. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. 
You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans, what is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. You know, on the one hand, I'm kind of sick of all these, uh, of talking about all these cases involving sex harassment and, and uh, poor conduct by people in elected office. I don't want to spend too much more time on it, but I have been thinking about it a lot this week. And I think, you know, we're going to have more allegations come out. And I do think that there are good lessons to be learned from these. And I'm just going to try to uh, hit them quickly because I really want to turn and talk about the tax bill and, and Senator Ted Cruz, um, which is completely unrelated to this topic. But I, I, I want to say this about the, the um, all these claims of sex harassment and conduct. I read about a case where the uh, a, an employee, a woman employee, in something involving someone in government, um, was complaining because someone, one of her... Um, bosses kept asking her out on a date no physical abuse no grabbing no touching no you know but made her uncomfortable because kept asking her out and she said no i think that we need to be as voters and as i think there's a little bit of a feel like maybe we're on this um just uh witch hunt isn't exactly the right word but we're there, a little feeling of stridency that may not serve us well as a republic and by that i mean this i think that women have the right to be free 
and work free from sex harassment, to work and be treated as equals, to work in all sorts of work environments at every level of government and business and commerce and everything in our country, be free of sex harassment and be, have a vehicle to tell someone to stop and a vehicle to... So there, that that is the first thing that absolutely... that And this is a great conversation for people who need it to understand it's just not okay in America. You just can't do that at work. I don't care. We're not living in the 1950s. This is, you know, we're, this is a modern world, and we insist on high-caliber uh, behavior by men and women in the professional government and every, every other place. I think women, it's a great time for women to be inspired to learn to be strong. If a guy at work is asking you out, to be firm and say, I said no, and leave me alone. I mean, we have to, women, we are strong, we're smart, we can do this to speak up. I think there's also a... Um, a, a group of cases which involve, you know, poor decisions by people sending uh, inappropriate text messages and, and crass things, which among and between consenting adults is it may be in the judgment of many people, including myself, crass and gross and low class. But that's not really the right reason to drive someone out of office. I, I mean, I think that's up to the voters I think the cases that involve actual use of taxpayer money to pay off sex harassment Kate claims, which has happened in Washington, we're now learning that your tax dollars were used to pay off people in claims. That is that does rise to the level where I think if we know that occurred, that we need to say to that congressman, member of Congress or the Senate, you know, you, you need to go home now. If you're actually engaging in poor enough behavior that the your accuser was paid a settlement for your on at work conduct, uh, you need to go home now. I think, but I, I just there's a little bit of an element of this that can get to where where we're you know holding up some notion that I know every single um, possible slightly inappropriate thing should be blown up into a uh, in, into a major um, controversy, and I don't think that's healthy. I I, I think we. Uh, I just I think we have to let the voters decide in most cases um, and they will. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I this whole Roy Moore thing has caused a national conversation, which I think is on balance. Good. Um, I don't have any. I mean, I don't obviously know what happened and, uh, with respect to Roy Moore 40 years ago. And neither really, frankly, does anyone else commenting on it. They don't know either. No one knows. And I think that's a good example of the voters will decide, you know, what Roy Moore stands for. Do I care enough and vote for him? Uh, regardless of what I think about what happened, um, does that behavior just so offend me? I just could never vote for him. Whatever. It's up to the voters. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how it comes out on Tuesday. I mean, I want women to be free of... of um, predators. Uh, But I will say all the folks who are just wound up about Roy Moore and voted for Bill Clinton twice and Bill Clinton credibly accused and known to have been on Jeffrey Epstein's plane where they go down to involved in um, in intimacy with minors. I mean, the whole Jeffrey Epstein, uh, that's not called Fantasy Island, some I can't remember what name it was, but the point is there's a lot of hypocrisy in this. American lefties trying to hold themselves up as just this is outrageous and we're paragons of virtue. We'd never tolerate this. But Bill Clinton's great with us. And Hillary Clinton trying to shut up the women who were pointing out how crass and poorly Bill Clinton, crassly and poorly Bill Clinton behaved. Hillary Clinton's fine with us. 
this this folk, the hypocrisy is evident and needs to be pointed out. Okay, I'm done with that topic. I can't wait. This election is over. I do want to turn to the tax bill, and I swear, I do I do not turn the station saying, "Oh, this is going to get boring and dry," because I have a really interesting uh, angle on it and thing to share with you about the tax bill. First of all, if we can get uh, the Senate and House versions uh, melded in some way, through some procedure, and get a tax bill and get it to President Trump to sign before Christmas, this would be a major legislative victory uh, for the Republicans and one of their very few, quite frankly, in the whole first year of the Trump administration. So I, I'm hoping this can occur. But what I want to say about Ted Cruz, who is um, the US, our U.S. senator from Texas, is that in the Senate version of the bill, we had the House version passed, we had the Senate version floating around this past week, Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, has emerged as a profound, astounding, impressive leader among senators in the U.S. Senate in terms not only of getting people to come together behind a bill, but of making difficult corrections in the bill that needed to happen and leading the charge on that. And the reason this is so important is because the, the enemies of the conservatives, the ones who can't stand the conservatives in the, in the um, House and Senate, often try to describe Senator Ted Cruz as, you know, no one listens to him, he's too harsh, he's too, you know, uh, he doesn't work well with others, doesn't play well with others, and that has no connection to truth. It's really, really important to understand this has absolutely no connection to truth, especially with what happened with the tax bill. So here we are in the Senate with a tax bill uh, heading down the pike and four major provisions, four major issues in the bill got fixed by the leadership of Ted Cruz among the Republicans in the Senate. I'm not saying he's the only one, but he was leading the charge on four big fixes. Hugest one everyone should be grateful for is including repealing the Obamacare individual mandate in the tax bill. That means putting in the tax bill that they are changing the law woven into Obamacare, forcing people to purchase insurance or face a penalty. He has some, I heard him speak recently, and I took copious notes. Great statistics. In the individual mandate that says you're going to get fined if you don't buy insurance, every year the IRS fines about 6.5 million Americans because they don't have insurance. Most of them don't have insurance because they can't afford insurance, because insurance is more expensive because of Obamacare. So you can't afford insurance because it's gotten expensive. Obamacare forced it. And now you're fine for not buying the insurance you cannot afford. So of those 6.5 million Americans, 80% of them earn $50,000 a year or less. $50,000 a year or less. 40% of them earn $25,000 a year or less. These are not high-income earners choosing to avoid the individual mandate. These are people who need their salary, their money, to make ends meet. This is a leading issue that when Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, started out on this, he had two or three people with him, and most Republicans said, oh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to make trouble. I don't want to make a big mess. I have the tax bill done. But he could see how important it was, and he stood up, and he led on it. Okay. And the other reason, of course, anyway, I'll hit the second. So four big things he did. The second one was 
he put a stop to a tax increase provision that was insisted on by the Republican and name only Senator Corker, Republican, uh, soon to be former Senator Corker, um, wanted to put in this bill an automatic $350 billion with a B trigger in tax increases in this new law. I'm going to skip the details because I'm running out of time. But the point is, Corker had the uh, Republican establishment, the leadership of the Senate, on board with him. Ted was leading the charge. Ted Cruz leading the charge to change that and literally argued on the floor of the Senate with Senator Corker about not adding this massive tax increase into the new tax bill. And by the end of the debate, it turned out that the entire Republican uh, caucus, the Republican members of the Senate, were with Ted Cruz, not with Corker. This is really, really, really important to understand that he led the charge in turning the whole delegation. Um, third thing was Ted Cruz led the charge on tax cuts for everyone. Some revisions in the bill, too much detail to go into. To, uh, and last, and the last thing was a really, really, really cool provision that Ted Cruz insisted on, and that has to do with those five twenty nine college savings accounts that parents use to save money tax free for college. Expanding those so parents can use them for uh, lower school, for K through twelve, parochial school, homeschooling, led the charge to help people save money for the kids' education. This is leadership, folks. We'll talk about more after the break. Don't go away. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. 
They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. Okay, on this tax bill thing, the reason I brought this up, and, you know, I always talk about in my show, I don't, I'm sorry that the terms like Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal are necessary. Because really, what all of us should care about is preserving America. Preserving the unique, great, extraordinary exercise in human liberty, in governance by the people that is America. And part of that, part of actual good, high-quality governance is electing people who will engage in the spirit of debate, who will listen to each other, who are capable of persuading each other, who will talk with their fellow elected representatives and find solutions and try to persuade people to come around to their side. And this is uh, has seemed to be a uh, lost art or at least a diminishing art in Washington because there seems to be so much hostility between the Democrats and the Republicans. And I have to tell you that hearing Ted and actually I think that um, some website wrote up a long description of what Senator Cruz did on on the tax bill. But electing people like Ted Cruz and others who do this, I mean, but there there are not very many of them who will not just go to Congress or the Senate to horse trade and to, I'll give you this if you give me that, but to persuade about the rightness of ideas is really vital. And I want to contrast that, what's happening right now on the Democrat side in the U.S. Senate. On the Democrat side in the Senate, the 48 Democrats vote lockstep. It does not matter what the issue is. 
it does not matter the virtues and merits of the issue at hand. They vote lockstep. They are told by their leadership, we're voting no. If there's anything that could possibly make President Donald Trump give him a legislative victory, make him look good, we're voting no, we're going to destroy it. Sadly, on the Republican side, we have all sorts of people who just, we have a broad spectrum. We have Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, barely a Republican. Susan Collins from Maine, barely a Republican, you know, endlessly undermining the conservative agenda. And Senator Ted Cruz and others try to work with them and explain the issues and see how this could help. And don't you think this would be better than this? Blah, blah, blah. So, um... I also learned in that tax bill that during the time of its uh, being uh, voted on the floor of the Senate that uh, one Democrat senator, Joe Manchin, put his vote in and voted yes, like voted with the Republicans to pass this tax bill that had all these changes that I just described. Really all very good substantive changes brought out through the efforts of Ted Cruz and other conservatives. But really, Ted Cruz leading the charge. He is now the go-to person in the Senate to try to get the conservative members of the Republican caucus on board to move things forward. So anyway, Joe Manchin voted yes for the tax bill and went back to his seat and was surrounded by hordes of Democrats, you know, the other 47 Democrats in the Senate, yelling, pounding on his desk, yelling, yelling, yelling. I mean, just get chewing him out. How dare you ever deviate from the rule that Democrats never, ever think? This is what I want to get around to about this thinking thing. So Joe Manchin went up and changed his vote. It was easier for him to salute and capitulate to the pressure to just do what the party says than to do what he obviously had figured out was right. And I'll tell you, just as a contrast to what I'm talking about, the ability, the need to have actual debate on the substantive issues that was evidenced by Ted Cruz's conduct dealing with the tax bill. You know, I have some of the choice quotes that Nancy Pelosi put out about the tax bill. Nancy Pelosi, who will on television and in interviews say, we we really wish our Republican colleagues would share with us and talk to us. And we'd like to share ideas and work together, find common ground. She finds all these happy talk words. Someone has probably poll tested them and told her that if you use those words, people like it. The simple reality is. The Democrats are never going to cooperate with anything that Republicans want because the Democrats want more than they want life itself to bring down President Trump, to destroy the Republican majority, to destroy the agenda of the Republican Party. So Nancy Pelosi's insightful comments about the tax bill is to call it Armageddon, to call it the worst bill in the entire history of the United States of America. She actually says, I mean, I'm not those are those are actually almost verbatim quotes. That's how she speaks. And I'll tell you, this tax bill cuts everyone's taxes. It actually cuts the taxes of the middle class Nancy Pelosi claims to care so much about. But she's so determined not to give Trump a victory, she'd rather call a bill that cuts taxes for the middle class Armageddon than admit that it's actually what she claims she wanted. We got to get, she wants more, uh, you know, more money in the hands of the middle class American hardworking people. She says she wants that. This bill gives that. And her answer is it's Armageddon. And I do think, and in all, in my all seriousness, two things about, and then I'll finally, think I'll finally stop about the tax bill. But one is that 
if you hear, like in Texas or any place you're hearing this, if you hear people say, I'm running as a moderate Democrat, I'm going to go to Washington and serve in the Senate or serve in the House as a moderate Democrat, please understand that Democrats, they are the party in Washington of no thinking allowed. That's what Joe Manchin was being told by his fellow Democrats. You aren't allowed to think. You can't, you're not allowed to come to a conclusion that we, the ruling Democrat, you know, um, cabal, the power, people hold the power, we've decided what is permissible and what's an okay position, what's not. And we've decided you can't vote that way. So you can't think. You can't think and come out a different way. And this is, do not ever delude yourself that if you vote for a Democrat in the House or Senate in this era, and I don't mean the average Democrats we all know and love. We have friends and cousins and family members who are who are Democrats. I'm not talking about Democrats in the in your everyday life. I'm talking about the Democrat Party ruling class in Washington and the Senate and the House. They are the party of no thinking allowed, no deviation allowed, no individual opinion permitted. And so it is not true, even if you wish it were, that if you send a moderate Democrat up there, he or she will then vote from moderate Democrat positions. What they'll only do is vote how the House or Senate leadership tells them to vote. And it's really important to understand that. I mean, I, I would I would love to return to the day of actual, you know, more exchange debates on the floor of the House, debates in committee. We barely have that. We have an angry, militant Democrat Party so determined to bring down President Trump, they cannot engage in intelligent conversation. They can't. They, and I'm not saying every single one. Maybe some of them do it. But the way legislation comes out, especially in the Senate, there will be zero Democrat votes for anything, even a thing that fill, fulfills a promise or a premise of the Democrat Party, they just won't vote for it. And Ted Cruz has emerged as a leader bringing people around the conservative side to understand the issues and say this is why this tax provision is better for America than this. So, okay, other thing I want to um, tell about in this little segment. So, I, I'm just grateful for Ted Cruz, grateful for his campaign. He's and he, it's so, what he does in Washington is so opposite of the reputation, sadly, that the media tries to saddle him with. And, and actually, Ted Cruz is regularly in touch with the White House, with President Trump, with his team, trying to work through issues, understand how the president sees things. He's really been the the kind of statesman that you wish all senators would be. Even if they were more moderate senators or even Democrat senators, he's been working with his colleagues and working with the White House, trying to get to solutions. And I'm really, folks, I really hope this tax bill gets done. Okay, I want to hit a couple of things about the Supreme Court uh, before the next break. And um, one thing on the Supreme Court was that there was a decision out of our United States Supreme Court upholding President Trump's refugee travel restriction order, his executive order on, on refugee, and um, excuse me, not refugees, on travel to America. And this is the Trump administration, the travel order that relates to residents of six mostly Muslim countries. And I know we've been round around about this again, and this isn't the end of the issue. And there are cases pending in several appellate courts, and they'll probably make the way to the Supreme Court before long. But I want to hit with you what uh, what this means, not necessarily in terms of travel to the U.S., but to restoration of clarity 
uh, about the Constitution and the separation of powers. The executive branch, which is the president and his administration, have primary authority in our Constitution over foreign policy. There is a federal law written in the books, passed by Congress years ago, that says the federal, the president has absolute authority to issue executive orders that relate to foreign policy, visas, traveling here, the whole notion of immigration. So President Trump issued this travel order and lower courts basically substituted their judgment and thought, and they wrote as though, well, if I were president, I wouldn't have passed that. And that was the basis for their rejection of the travel order. And the Supreme Court came around to the right decision, which is it's up to the president. And they upheld his order. This is restoring the rule of law in America. Come right back. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There's a lot of talk today among media and academia in our culture about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans, what is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. 
program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. Okay, folks, it's the holiday season, and a lot of times you're looking for something to give as a gift that's a little more than just, uh, you know, a sweater or something that someone might like, but a little more a gift that has more kind of a feeling of giving to the world. So I had a a meeting this week with a a gentleman who came to Dallas. He's uh, a friend of mine from college is on his board and they do microfinancing and it's a new, it's a relatively new group and uh, it's called five talents. And the guy was uh, actually met with my husband. I met with him and his name is Dale Stanton Hoyle. And so I just interviewed him to find out what five talents is all about. And here you go. Why don't you hear what he had to say? I want to introduce you to someone tonight. This is actually a gentleman I just met, and really I met him through a longtime friend from college who, you may remember a few weeks ago I mentioned that we had a reunion of friends who went to a Kenya semester abroad together, and so I reunited with my longtime friend, and she let me know, introduced me to her friend. She's on the board of an organization called Five Talents. And the gentleman who's executive director is here in Dallas. I had the chance to interview him. So I want to introduce to you Dale Stanton Hoyle. He is, again, the executive director of Five Talents, which I'm always saying America is a great country full of good people. And I want him to tell you what Five Talents is all about. So hello, Dale. Hello, Debbie. Good to be here. So go ahead. Tell us about Five Talents. Well, Five Talents is a microenterprise development organization and I only started working there a little over three months ago. I've started my life as a mechanical engineer and worked in developing business units and growing companies. But when I learned about how important the work of Five Talents is and how effective they've been in some of the poorest countries around the world, I left my engineering world, I left the world of consulting, and I joined them as the executive director. Since then, I've found that it's actually better than I expected. Most organizations that work in what people usually refer to as microfinance involve people in the United States or Europe lending money to poor people around the world. But that doesn't work too well because, frankly, if you're really poor and you barely have enough money to get your child to the hospital when he or she is injured, 
then you're not necessarily going to be very likely to pay back those loans, even if they're tiny loans of $20 or $30. By contrast, the model that's been developed over 10 years at Five Talents is working extremely well. Our repayment rates are almost 100%. And part of the reason for that is because the participants in the program form small groups. And as any of you who have been part of a small group know, you've got a lot of accountability within that group. And so what these folks do is they save the tiny amounts of money that they have at their disposal. Even in poor countries, it's surprising to find that people have anywhere from 50 cents to a dollar a week that they can squirrel away and save. And after six months of saving, and after also often getting uh, business development skills and learning better how to read and write and take care of the basic numbers that are necessary to be able to give change when someone's buying something from you, then these people have to make a pitch to their peers. And this almost scares me. I can hardly even imagine what it would be like if I had to go to my friends and say, kind of like people do on the TV show Shark Tank, hey, uh, I'm, I'm going to pitch this business plan to you. And so they actually have to prove to their friends and neighbors that their business plan is going to pay back their money within six months to a year because their friends don't want to lend their money to someone if they're not going to get it back. And so they tend to put together really good business plans. They tend to almost always pay it back. Some of the businesses that they start are extremely small. Could be something like buying a milk cow and selling the milk. Could be uh, buying a tea service and selling tea on the side of the road at a little market. But the way that it transforms these poor communities is just amazing. Uh, the first place that they often use it is in their big families. Most of the people who participate in these programs are women. As a matter of fact, 90% of the participants are women. And so many of these women didn't even really have a voice before. They didn't have any empowerment within the community. And so now all of a sudden the women in the families become the breadwinners. And they're bringing in income and they're using it to pay for their children. They're using it to increase the entire standard living of their communities. It's so much better than I expected that I'm really pleased to be here. I want to jump back for a second because we were talking a little earlier today about how the term microfinancing is is widely used. It's a very popular idea. And the basic notion of instead of just sending charitable contributions to people in impoverished countries, which is a great thing. It's great if they are starving to send food. But what you really are exporting or sending through microfinancing is not just the ability. It's kind of like that eat a fish, you, know, you give a person a fish, they can eat for a day, you teach them to fish, they eat for life. You're teaching them how to do something that can earn them money over a sustained basis, uh, over sustained time, and you're teaching that they can be self-sufficient. And so, as you were alluding to a moment ago, there are many forms of microfinancing, but you sound like you think Five Talents has settled on one that is in a long-term way more sustainable because the women or the I guess maybe not all women, but mostly women who are the recipients or who are involved in this program are not building up debt. They are not borrowing money that's going to cause them to be in debt. They are instead, and I know I'm repeating what you said, be sure our listeners get this though, they're presenting their business idea to a group that has pooled its resources. And they're saying, I can make money milking a cow, here's how. And everyone has to agree with them to lend them the money. I think it's a brilliant idea. So give us some other ideas, if you would, about what other kinds of businesses people do under Five Talents organization. Sure. You're exactly right, Debbie. These programs are called savings-based programs rather than credit-based programs. And so what that means is that the average person is part of a group of about 20 people. 
and they are saving their own money and then lending that to their friends and neighbors. And the kinds of businesses that they start might include buying a used refrigerator and uh, refrigerating that water so that they can sell it to uh, business folks who are coming by on the dirt roads, on their motorcycles and carts, and sometimes by foot. Uh, another example might be buying a used sewing machine and then making and selling clothes to the community. Another example might be to uh, buy some goat meat and buy some rice and to make a stew every day and sell that in the market. Very small businesses, but it can be so transformative. I met a woman about three weeks ago in Kenya, and she and her husband and their three kids all lived in one room. So she got a loan from a five-talent savings group, managed to buy a cow, sell the milk, pay back her loan, got out a second loan, and was actually able to build a single room that housed all three of her kids so that they had a place to sleep. Every mother listening is loving that picture. <laughs> Get your kids off into a different group. And if you're just tuning in, we're speaking tonight with Dale Stanton Hoyle, the executive director of Five Talents. So your organization goes off not just to Kenya but other groups and really plants the idea of – entrepreneurship, self-reliance, all those kind of things. So beside the uh, country of Kenya I mentioned, what other countries are you working in? We're heavily invested right now in Burundi, in South Sudan, which is one of the most difficult and fragile states in the entire world. It's also the newest country in the whole world. And we're working in Tanzania and Uganda and in Indonesia, Singapore, Myanmar, Bolivia, and over the last 20 years, we've worked in over 20 countries. You know, it's a funny thing because, you know, if you're listening to the show very often, I'm always railing about limited government and, you know, fiscal responsibility. And the trade. The, I know that America is very generous. We always have been the most generous country in the world. We've gone over those stats many times. But the notion of changing the model over time from just sending money, sending things needed versus the just sowing the seeds of independence. I just love the picture that creates kind of for the future of the world. I mean, people end up thinking, wow, I could do that. I could buy a cow. I saw what that happened to my neighbor. I could do that too. And you really, you, you lift everyone up instead of being a recipient of handouts. You are a, you become part of the, the economy, part of the, the little miniature economy in your area. So I'm sure uh, listeners are going to guess this, but Five Talents really gets funded by donors. Is that? And I want to have you, if you would, tell people listening how they could um, support Five Talents. Absolutely. Thank you, Debbie. Anyone can go to fivetalents.org and make a contribution. All of the money that we send overseas to our partners goes to pay for training, for inexpensive things like cell phones and bicycles and transportation, all of the money that people use for their loans actually comes from the people that live in those countries. So what that means is that people graduate from our programs. They move from dependence, or excuse, from dependence into dignity. Oh, I love that. Dependence into dignity. Okay, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and um, so after three to five years, about 70% of the people who have participated in our programs are no longer getting any money from our organization, and that's because they've graduated. They've managed to go through the program, start businesses, and move on. And we're moving into new villages and new communities and new cities and even new countries just because of what donors are doing to make it possible. So I hope that all of you will go to fivetalents.org. I tell you, it really is worth it. 
is honestly just so heartwarming. And as I say, and I encourage our listeners to believe about America, this is a country full of good people doing great things. FiveTalents.org is doing great things. And it's a great way at Christmas time to uh, your contribution, your gift to the world, a, a donation to a group like yours. So thanks so much for sharing with us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, folks, thank you. Okay, I got to tell you, you know what? It's a funny thing. This uh, show, I'm always... It's so political all the time, and I, I love talking about not politics in the in the nasty sense of it, but really the the core purpose of uh, government and the core purpose of people being involved in America is to preserve and hold on to, as I say all the time on this show, the unique greatness of America. And it's made of many, many pieces and parts. And so we're talking about the rule of law and the idea that the Supreme Court recently said, uh, this past week ruled, that the uh, president actually has the authority, the Constitution and federal law says he has, which is to issue a an order relating to our policy on, on visas and people coming to America um, and have the authority to to uh, put the executive order, I'm trying to avoid using the refugee ban because it, it's not, that's not what it is, is travel ban. Uh, it is select countries. But in any case, the point is you have to have the rule of law to have America. And the other similar thing, uh, this this uh, Five Towns organization uh, is a yet another example of the um, just profound, unique greatness is America and is born of a culture of America, our culture that grew up in liberty and freedom. It naturally brings people to a place of generosity. And so Five Talents, just one way, if you wanted to give toward a microfinancing effort, there are other ones. I'm just grateful that there are so many good people in America doing good things. Okay, so about out of time, I want to urge you again, uh, if you're not watching Facebook Live, to go to Facebook Live, America Can We Talk, Tune in every week, Sunday night at 6 to 8 p.m., and watch the Facebook Live page, Facebook page, America Coming Talk, so we can, I'll be doing podcasts during the week. Got to go. Talk to you next week. Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk. Truth About America.